0: Welcome to Conversations with Ann Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Jess Certikoff. She's a registered dietitian who has a passion for empowering other dietitians along their professional journeys. I am all about dietitians being on the same team, supporting each other in every way possible, which is why when I connected with Jess, I knew I'd be in good company. Jess has quite the personal journey. She has had a lot of discoveries so far in her personal and professional life, and she has made it her mission to help others like her, especially registered dietitians, work through the daily challenges and joys of our profession. She is the ultimate dietitian cheerleader. Please enjoy my conversation with Jess. Well, I'm excited to kind of hear more about your background to how you kind of got into dietetics and where you started. What was the initial aha moment? And then we'll kind of go through just your life and journey so far.
1: Fantastic. I always. Like, I think about this a lot because if you ask me how I decided to become a dietitian, I I genuinely don't know what was going through my mind when I made that decision. Like, it it feels like it almost came out of nowhere. Um, I was not, like, the healthy kid growing up. I did not like vegetables. I wanted to eat, like, Elio's pizza and cheese whiz on fries. Like, I was so far away from it. But I think what really started it was, I, I'm a very curious person and I always want to understand things. So when I was in high school, I started to ask my parents, like, okay, you're putting broccoli on the dinner table. Like, you tell me it's healthy. Why is it healthy? Like, what about it makes it healthy? Why are you telling me I should be eating this? And they didn't really have a great answer for me. Um, so I, the curiosity was kind of sparked at the same time that... Uh, my my grandfather had diabetes and I started to see the consequences of kind of a lifetime of not really taking care of it. So all of these little seeds were being planted, but I still went to college and I did not major in nutrition. I was undecided for a semester and then I wound up actually transferring schools. I went from Ithaca College to Westchester University in Pennsylvania and I transferred in as a French major of all things. So I was, yeah, I was, I was nowhere in the sciences. I was nowhere in healthcare. Like if you would have told me that I was going to be a dietitian, I would have been like, you're crazy. I don't even know what that is. And Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't until, uh, my dorm neighbor across the hall from me in my dorm room that first semester of my freshman year at, um, at Westchester. So my second semester of being a freshman, uh, she was a a dietetics major and I kind of went, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Like, I don't even know what that is. And that's, this is like the pivotal moment where I should have an aha moment of like, yes, I had a light bulb that went off, but I don't know what it was. I think it was just all of these seeds that had slowly been planted and me feeling like, like I loved, French, but I didn't necessarily want to be a French teacher. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it aside from that. So kind of feeling this lack of direction in terms of my future career that I started to consider what it might be like to actually go into studying nutrition, which just feels That's, like a total 180. it
0: that is, that is. Cause like you said, yeah. you, went, you didn't even have sciences on your radar at all. <laughs> no,
1: no. Oh my gosh. I, as soon as I could opt out of science in high school, I did. Um, I just, and it's not even that I was necessarily bad at them. I was just so disinterested in it that I, I wanted nothing to do with them. So that was my biggest concern was like how I, cause I realized you have to do a lot of sciences to be Mm -hmm. a dietitian. And so I was talking to the advisor when I was thinking about transferring in and I was going, I don't know if I can do this. Like these sciences just seem so intimidating. I'm, I'm definitely more right brain than left brain. And she wound up convincing me that if that was literally the only hang up that I had was it it was just a fear of sciences that I should do it. So I oh. transferred over. Um, I kept the minor in French because I was pretty close to it. And I, and I did like the language, um, but I transferred over to being a nutrition major and never looked back.
0: That's, awesome. So how did the science, was it horrible or did you, were you like, oh, I'm not so bad?
1: Yeah, no, it it was so different when they were coming at it from a context that I was passionate about. So as I started to study nutrition and I started to get the answers to all of those questions that I was asking back in high school, um, Mm -hmm. everything started to click and fit into place. And when we started talking about science, it just seemed to work. And and like I said, I think it was because I was so disinterested in it before. So when I was able to attach it to something that I was interested in, it wound up being okay. Um, they weren't necessarily my easiest classes. I still had to work hard. I went to a lot of office hours. But mm-hmm. anyone out there who's nervous about the science part of it, like, don't let that hold you back. Like, just go for it.
0: That's a good message because they are intimidating. I do have to they say. Woof.
1: They are. And I always just like, I know it sounds crazy, but I would sit next to like people in my like anatomy class, these like guys who were in exercise physiology and, and everything. I was like, if you can do it, I can do it. Like, I know I'm capable of doing this. Right. I so I just kind of catch that mantra in my head. Like I can do this. And, and I think the other thing is that, I mean, yes, you, the, Internship is competitive and, and everything is competitive. So grades do matter, but you don't have to be perfect at it either. Like it's okay if it's hard or it's not your absolute best subject. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of stress about, about being perfect too in the profession and the, and the kind of major. So that's a big message too is giving yourself permission to like not be absolutely perfect with it.
0: Heck yeah. Oh, hell right. yeah. I'll say hell yeah to that. So, cause okay. I, you're right though. I think this everything from day one in our profession, when you start school versus, you know, to the point where you're working, it's so, I don't know if we're just hard on ourselves or if there's just a stigma on the profession to be so perfect and to yeah. do everything so mainstream.
1: Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm 100% the like, quintessential type A perfectionist dietitian that everyone jokes about. Um, <laughs> like, I remember sitting in in college classes and all of the professors would joke about how 90% of us are just like type A perfectionists, but no one ever actually taught us to do anything about it. So it, I never realized how much it was stressing me out and kind of holding me back in my career. But that's ultimately what Kind of led me into the work that I'm doing now. It was a very long drawn out process of me like having that aha moment of what I wanted to do as a dietitian, but um, starting to reflect on my own perfectionism and then working with other nutrition students once I became a dietitian and realizing that this was a trend that I was seeing. And a lot of the students I was working with too made me realize that it was something that I really wanted to address.
0: That's interesting how that kind of led you to, you know, what your passion is with the profession. And it has nothing to really do with nutrition, but it has to do with this overwhelming, you know,
1: anxiety filled
0: part of our profession that isn't talked about enough.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and I just, I wish that there had been more resources when I was a student and even a new dietitian about how like it's okay to be imperfect it's like we have to take the pressure off we have to learn how to deal with anxiety and we have to really prioritize our own self-care and stress relief so that we can be the best dietitians that we can be
0: so profound that is so so <laughs>
1: wise <laughs> It, it, it took, like I didn't come to that easily I had to learn the hard way that, that that was stuff that I needed to work on because I spent a long time kind of ignoring the self-care and not like, I always thought that my perfectionism was a good thing because it was part of my ambition and my drive and my work ethic. And, and I do think that it can be beneficial if we understand how to kind of keep it in check.
0: So tell me how, because obviously you didn't jump from, you know, undergrad to this part of your life. So how did, That journey, why don't you kind of take me through, like, after you graduated, your, you know, jobs, that type of stuff, and how you got to this point where you're really focusing on helping dietitians be the best that they can be.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, after I graduated from Westchester with my degree, I did my internship with Aramark in the Philadelphia area. Um, And that was kind of just like a continuation of me being driven and like type A and, and Kind of like stressing myself out. Like I, I can tell you that I used to have like legit stress breakdowns, um, where I would need like a mental health day to recoup because I would put so much pressure on myself juggling all of the different projects that we had and the different expectations that I had nine times out of 10 set for myself. Um, so I, I was definitely like dealing with that through the internship, but I got through the internship. I passed my RD exam. And I went into community nutrition because like everyone, I'm like that person that everyone says, you have to do like two years in clinical, you have to pay your dues. And I did apply to a few clinical jobs, but ultimately I was just like, this is, this is not right for me. Um, and I know it's not right for me and I don't necessarily have to check all the boxes or play by the rules. If I know in my heart that there's something out there that's better for me.
0: That's, you know, I think that's a good point that you make that because I feel, don't you feel like most people when they get done with their internship, it's like, I just have to find a job and it has to be, yeah. it has to pay for my life and it has to be in one of these areas because that's what everybody tells me to do and did you kind of feel that same way or did you have to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, no, I don't. Like you just said, you're like, no, I don't really need to do this. But was money like always in the back of your head and being employed and all that kind of stuff?
1: Um, I mean, I definitely felt the pressure because I had multiple dietitians tell me straight up that I just needed to pay my dues in clinical. I just needed to kind of suck it up and do it. And it didn't matter if that's not what I wanted to do. Um, And, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a, a terrible perspective. Like I think that there is a lot of benefit to be gained from spending time in the clinical field, even if it's not what you want, but there's also nothing wrong with saying that you're, you're not cut out for a clinical and, and there's another thing that you want and it's okay to go for it. Um, I was fortunate. I, I didn't have the kind of financial pressure. I was living with my parents during the internship and, I had actually, I was going to live with my parents for the year after my internship as well, at least, just to really save a lot of money. Um, it wound up not working out that way because I got a job out of state, so I wound up moving. But um, I I was very fortunate that I didn't have at least the financial pressure to get a job like ASAP. Um, it, it probably took me a solid, I think I graduated from the internship in May and I didn't get hired at my um, job until september so it it took a while um, and so anyone out there who's having a hard time with that and feeling like they're putting application application out there um I was right there with you i can't tell you how many jobs I applied to and didn't hear back from like most of them at all
0: mm, um, that's so hard
1: from, it is and coming from i mean like I was again type a perfectionist I did very well in school i wasn't I was used to doing well. And so to get those rejections was kind of the start of my journey of like coming to terms with the fact that life isn't perfect and I'm not perfect and it's okay anyway. Um, but, but it can be really hard and frustrating and it can start to beat down your confidence a little bit when you put yourself out there so much and don't get the kind of feedback that you're looking for, um, so, so anyone out there who's struggling, like I totally get it. You're you're not alone, um, but but you will find you will find the right fit for you.
0: And I I like with the, even with job searching, a hundred percent. Like there's when you're not getting that feedback that you're looking for, just something that someone indicates that they're interested in you. You can feel like that in your current job. Like if you're working at a job oh. and you keep doing all these things and you're just not getting. Feedback or recognition or anything. So it happens at all stages.
1: Yeah. And, and it's just, that's why working on confidence and building it up intrinsically so that you're not necessarily counting on something outside of you to validate you. uh, That's important. Um, It helps us build the confidence is to have the external validation to start, but to, to really do the work on yourself so that you're not as shaken by it, it can help you recover. And it can also help you advocate for yourself a little bit when you do find a position to be able to communicate what you need to your employer and and feel more satisfied with your job.
0: For sure. For sure. And that's hard. It's, I feel like as dietitians, we're not like right in, we're not like at a high, you know, part of the professional food chain. We're not at the low part but we're kind of at that in-between where we don't feel like we can quite say what we want and ask for what we want. Uh,
1: I actually, so um, today was my annual review at my day job with my employer. And um, this past year in particular has been a big year of me learning how to advocate for myself and communicate my needs and um, not just be passive about it. So that was, um, like a, a huge part of my journey too. like where I, I am a firm believer that as much as I work on my confidence, and my perfectionism and all of this, and as much as I help other dietitians with it too, I'm always learning as well. And I'm always pushing myself and growing. So this is like my next phase, um, was, was being stronger in my day job. Um, so it's, it's always something that we can improve upon. It's not something that we learn how to do in school. No,
0: no, not at all. Did
1: it go well for you today, yeah. then? Yeah. It do you did, feel like you I mean, again I I have a lot to learn because it's not like all of this was done. I, I spoke to coaches about it. Um, I I go to therapy, so I spoke to my therapist about it. I practiced, I prepped, I did all the stuff that I needed to do, but it's still that when you actually go and have a conversation like that. Um you always learn something. So I took things from it and said, okay, well, the next time I want to do this, I'm going to approach it a different way. Um, -hmm. and, and so I'm focusing on the positives, but overall it went very well. Good,
0: good. See, you, you had a growth, you had a growth moment. And again, always learning is so important.
1: Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that like, I don't really regret much in life. I've made so many mistakes, but I don't have too many regrets because anytime that I've done something quote unquote wrong, I learn from it and I make sure that I grow from it and I gain a more clarity over why I did what I did and how I can do better next time. So it's all about like reflection and self-awareness and aligning with your core values. And that helps you grow and like be more effective as a dietitian in the long run.
0: For sure. For sure. So community, you started out in community and have you been in community then since you first, is it kind of always been the area that you've focused in?
1: Yeah, it is. And it's funny because I never would have considered myself a community dietitian either, but, um, I found like a really good home. I actually am still working in my first position six years later. Um, So, so my first job was, is the one that I'm currently in full time by day and I've stayed because I've been able to do so much. I think what's interesting about community nutrition is that you can dabble in a lot of different things. Like I do a lot of one-on-one consultations, um, with individuals, but I also, you know, do community presentations and school assemblies and, um, like I dabbled in employee wellness or community, like uh, working with health departments. So I've been able to do a lot um, to keep it diverse and, and to prevent getting bored.
0: That's nice. Because, I mean, obviously it's it's been working really well for you for it being a job that you have found the ability to enjoy, but then also still grow and do different things in.
1: Exactly. Um, and it's funny, when I went for the position um, my boyfriend at the time said, you know, when I got the job, he said, well, what do you do when you land like your dream job right out of school? Like what, where do you go from here? And I was like, you know, I don't know, but I'm not going to turn it down just because I got it offered to me right away. I'm going to go for it and I'll see where life takes me. So, um, I, another thing, like just keep going for what you want and, and don't worry about like, if it's the right time or if you're ready for it, like you're never 100% ready, go for it and learn from it and, and just like keep growing and evolving.
0: So does that, is that kind of how you've led into what you're kind of currently doing by helping dietitians? Cause your, your Instagram and your, your webpage is all empowering dietitians. Yeah. Is that, where did that kind of start during your past? years and how did you kind of find the need for this for dietitians
1: it, it definitely started with my day job because I started to work with nutrition interns and it was both like undergraduate nutrition students that spent time with me but also official dietetic interns that I started to precept and I started to see the same things cropping up in them that I was dealing with um and you know, again, like a lot of the type A perfectionism, stress, anxiety, holding themselves to really high standards and having a hard time um maintaining like work life balance or school life balance for them. Um and, and just seeing those same patterns. Um, but it it didn't again click the same way that with like my nutrition major, I needed seeds planted. I feel like I needed these seeds planted. So um, I started working with interns back in 2015 and never once thought about making a side business for dietitians at that point. Um, it probably started like, started to snowball when I hit 25. Um, I feel like my journey as a dietitian is very much intertwined with my journey as a human being and like my personal life too. So, um, when I was 25, I kind of had my whole life mapped out. Hey, say again, like, like by the time I'm 25, <laughs> I'm going to be married. And by the time I'm 27, I'm going to have my first kid. And then I'm going to have a white picket fence and a dog and like the whole nine yards. Uh-huh. And I hit 25 and had like a panic attack. Um, like a, I call it my quarter life crisis where just all of a sudden I was like, I don't want any of this. Um, And my whole life got turned upside down. The relationship that I had been in ended. And I realized in that moment when I was like finally alone that I was stressed out. I was not taking care of myself at all. I had almost like lost a sense of who I was as an individual and as a person. And I hadn't been cultivating my independence. I hadn't been feeling confident at all. Um, Like if you talk to, I talk to my brother-in-law about this all the time. Um, When he first met me, which was a few years before this whole like quarter life crisis, I was a completely different person. I would get so much anxiety when people would question me on my food choices, like you know, as nutrition majors or dietitians, mm-hmm. people have to eat, and like all eyes are on you, and there's a lot of Absolutely. pressure to eat a certain way, right? So um, that kind of thing would just derail me. I would get so upset. I'd wind up probably like crying nine times out of ten about it because I. I didn't know how to assert myself. Yeah. And, and so I look back at this, like, you know, the first half of my twenties and I realized that so much of the effect that I was having as a dietitian was being held back because I wasn't taking care of myself again as a human being first and foremost. So I used that pivotal moment at 25 to be like, okay, it's time to start taking care of myself and start working on my confidence and my assertiveness and start dealing with my stress. And I started meditating. I started um, journaling and um, I found a therapist that I really liked to help me with the confidence and assertiveness piece of it. Um, and, and I really started to, feel like a different person. Um, I started to like go after what I wanted. I started to advocate for myself. And around this time, I also started to, it's kind of like a, a leap, but I started to learn about intuitive eating too because I felt like part of my perfectionism and part of my type A personality and being a dietitian also gave a lot of stress surrounding my food choices. And I don't think I—I I, I can't say I don't think I know for a fact that I was not a very intuitive eater at all because I tried to be so perfect with everything um, and like implementing being like the perfect little dietitian, eating the perfect foods, and not really veering from that, um, which was also impacting it. So I started to get you a, did little a bit lot. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm a lot gonna- for
0: you to kind of take on when it comes like meditating and journaling and focusing yeah. on learning more about a, a part of dietetics but it's all it all seems very personal for you so did it seem overwhelming
1: it you know at the time it didn't because it felt so right and I didn't jump into everything all at once um kind okay. of, you know <laughs> it, it was it, it took a while so I started with just spending time on my own and like learning how to be comfortable by myself a little bit because I had become so dependent on other people. Like my opinions depended on other people. Um, what mm-hmm. I wanted to do depended on other people. Um, I I just felt like I really needed to cultivate a stronger sense of self. So gotcha. after like the relationship ended, I kind of just took like a hiatus from like interacting with too many people. I mean, I, I had a job. I still went to work. I still did all of those things, but I spent a lot of time in that where I started like going to bed super early, like grandma style early and waking up. (laughs) And and I started like, that's when I started meditating and journaling a little bit. Um, And I started to feel stronger through all of that. And then maybe I would say maybe a year or so later of doing all of that work was when I started to really discover intuitive eating. And realized that the last frontier was really me confronting my perfectionism and how it manifested in all different areas of my life, including my food choices. Uh, so that was that was kind of like the last leg of the journey for me personally.
0: Wow, that is really profound. And I mean to find that so early on in your you know like adult professional life, I mean think of how many people that don't figure that out until they're 50 and yeah. 60 years
1: no. old. No, <laughs> that's and amazing. I'm it, 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 am so grateful for the work that I've done through the intuitive eating kind of lens. I, I discovered it because one of my colleagues was going through the intuitive eating certification. And I had always been into like mindful eating and things like that. But she really started to, make me think more critically about these like food rules that were so normalized by being a dietitian. Like, of course I'm not going to eat anything with trans fat in it. Of course I'm going to like prefer organic and, and be a little bit too rigid with that. Like a lot of these things, no one questioned me on because I was a dietitian. So it was almost like they expected me to have these food rules. Um, but it was causing me a lot of like anxiety and a lot of stress and it was interfering with my social life. And so I started to read like the book intuitive eating and get into it. And I just, everything shifted when I started to relax that rigidity around food. I feel like I relaxed around a lot of other things in my life too, which is amazing.
0: That's awesome. That is really great. I mean, sharing that personal story about it is hopefully that resonates maybe with some people listening today too, that, you know, we do so much to help everybody else, but are you doing enough to really help yourself too, even with food, even with nutrition?
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I know that I remember working with one of my interns and just through sitting in on my sessions i never um i kind of do a lot of teaching through osmosis with my interns where they observe um and this one intern was going through um like a, a diet that she was doing for um a like a body competition and oh, yeah yeah and she, and she through just like listening to my conversations with my nutrition counseling clients and in the intuitive eating work, she actually wound up deciding that she didn't want to continue pursuing that competition and that the way that she was eating wasn't how she wanted to be eating. And so she started to adopt like her own intuitive eating practices and again, still valuing her health, still valuing working out and, and loving healthy foods but started to become a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more stressed or a little bit less stressed about it all um and and seeing that was just like so empowering to me to be able to to see other people whether it was a nutrition counseling client that I had or an intern who was just kind of shadowing me and observing me um start to reflect on their own choices and how they could live in a way that aligned with they wanted and what worked for them, rather than pressuring themselves to like be perfect or fulfill an expectation from some outside authority. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Very cool. That's so interest. So interesting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, like, so I just you're like teaching. You're getting me like thinking about a whole bunch of things too. So that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just I'm I'm all about. There's no right or wrong way to live your life um, at the end of the day, I am in full support, but I want you to be in the driver's seat of your life. And I want you to be aware of what you're doing and make sure that you're doing it because it's what's right for you. And not because, you know, you feel like you have to do it, or you feel like, um, that's what everyone expects or, or some, some other pressure that we've put on ourselves.
0: And Pressure is. I mean, that's a huge. I mean, that's huge and hard for a lot of people. So
1: it is. And I think it you're is.
0: like right about it's more of like that personal pressure that is probably more damaging than pressure from outside sources.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we tend to create stories in our heads that um, make us think like, oh, I can't eat this way, or something or like someone won't take me seriously or even not food related, but like I can't speak up because if I speak up and say what's on my mind at my job, then like they're going to think that I'm too aggressive or like they're not going to want to talk to me or or I'm not going to get the raise or we create all of these stories and, and pressure ourselves or we say like, oh, I have to say yes to this because if I don't say yes to taking on this project that my boss handed to me, then like I'm not gonna be considered good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of it is self imposed. So it's learning what actually works for us and what is a yes for us and what is a no and how to set those boundaries and how to really tap into what's right for you as an individual.
0: What's a yes and what's a no? I like that. That's um, really good. I'm gonna that's I'm making a mental note of that one.
1: wow and I mean like I know you talk about that a lot like embrace the hell yeah like if it's not a hell yeah then it's a no Um, yes and and to be able to set those boundaries I think that it can be equally challenging to like say no to something that someone comes to you with like a project or an extra thing or whatever but it's also sometimes hard to say yes to something um that is a little bit outside the box as well. Yeah. So kind of like Very gaining true. confidence to do either one.
0: So how do you, with all of this wisdom and things that you've learned, how do you share this and how do you work with dietitians? You know, there's so much, I mean, there's so much information like you've given. Where do you start? Like, how do you start working with them?
1: Um, so I start with um A a client who comes to me or someone who's interested in my program, um, when they sign on with me, they get a roadmap. So I dive into the specific things that they're struggling with, with like a really quick questionnaire. So is it time management? Are you getting stressed out um, by taking on too much? Do you feel like you're having a hard time asserting yourself or do you feel like other dietitians or your clients aren't taking you seriously? So we figure out what are the big things that are getting in the way of you living your like happiest, most fulfilled life as a dietitian. And then I create like a general roadmap where we tackle all of those individual things. So it's one-on-one support and we meet every week with a new topic that we go through and, and start to really unpack the beliefs that we have about something or the habits that we have. And, and I give them a lot of kind of suggestions on how to think.
0: I like, I like the roadmap. That sounds, I feel like, yeah. I feel like dietitians are very visual too. So it's good to kind of have it all like, you know, mapped out, <laughs> type A mapped yes. out. <laughs> yes.
1: And and that's what I try and do is I try and like blend that desire for like structure. Like it's comforting And a little bit less stressful to know that as a coach, it's not like super open ended. I have an agenda for our calls. I have a plan of action that I'll be taking you through um, so that you don't have to come up with something to talk about every single time that we, we have a call. Um, But I try and blend it with a little bit of flexibility too. So um, there's also a point when I have my one-on-one calls with, my clients at the end of every call we have like a supervision time and that's like free form bring anything you want to the table something that's bothering you like maybe your co-worker um, or like the doctor at the hospital is not listening to any of your recommendations because that never happens right um, yeah and, right. <laughs> and it's stressing you out and you don't know what to do about it like we talk about how to navigate that it's not something that was on your roadmap because I couldn't anticipate that that was going to be a concern for you but I have time built in so that we can deal with like the acute things that happen on a day-to-day basis I love
0: that's great that's really great
1: yeah
0: you kind um, of sound like you're you dab a little bit in just like therapy-ish type things do you know like you said like you can bring yeah. anything you want to the table
1: I really try hard. It's, it's tough because I, I have to draw the line. Of course, I'm not a therapist, although like one of my big long-term goals is to actually go back for my master's in psychology to be able to really dive into this more. But I do use a lot of motivational interviewing techniques, a lot of the same counseling techniques that we learn as dieticians. I, um, I use in my sessions with my clients. So it's very open-ended. It's a lot of listening. It's a lot of validating. And it's a lot of kind of just getting serious about what different potential solutions might be to the problem at hand.
0: And we all need help looking at the, like from someone else who isn't part of your life that yeah. can just kind of offer advice and say, hey, let's look at it this way. And I think that's always good to have someone in your corner that way.
1: Exactly. And I mean, I, I say it all the time on Instagram. I have my own coach. Just because I'm a coach doesn't mean that I don't also need someone else who's outside of the situation to be able to look in and say, Hey, Jess, like your perfectionism is coming out again. Or hey, Jess, <laughs> like, are you sure that that's like the right way to look at the situation? Or like, is, is there something else going on that we need to mm-hmm. look at? Um, I recently had my coach say, cause I was having like, A moment where my confidence dipped and I, I am such an impatient person. Like I'm an action taker. So I want to like take action and see results immediately. And so I'm still in the beginning stages of my business. I only launched it earlier this year. So, um, I'm not like an overnight immediate success. And so I was having like a little, like a few moments of doubt and, and just like insecurities come out. And my coach was like, Jeff, can we just like back up for a second? And she started <laughs> to walk me through all of the things that I walk my own clients through all the time, checking in with my accomplishments, reflecting on how far I've come, like all, all of the things that I do. But sometimes you need someone else to kind of pause, hit the brakes and make you think about it for yourself too.
0: For sure, for sure. And that just makes you a better coach as well. I mean, it's just, it all is intertwined.
1: That's, that's what I feel like so much is, as dietitians, if you're doing any form of counseling, whether it's one-on-one like private practice counseling or even in a hospital, you're still seeing patients, you're taking on so much and you're giving so much that having someone in your corner to help you um, deal with all of that, to help you diffuse the stress, navigate the situation um, and give you a little bit of perspective, I I feel like everyone in the healthcare profession could use some kind of supervision or coaching just to help you maintain your sanity a little bit.
0: <laughs> can that be like a bumper? Can that be like a bumper sticker like everyone needs someone <laughs> to yes, help so them like, maintain their sanity.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you don't go absolutely insane. It's just right. it's, it's really hard to be a dietitian and it's really stressful and to be able to have someone that's just there to help support you and offer you alternatives. um, I, I really feel like that's something that I wish were a little bit more common in our field, the same way that like therapists have supervision and therapists Mm -hmm. see therapists. I feel like it can be really helpful to be a dietitian who's also seeing some kind of hope in some capacity.
0: I agree. I agree. And you and I, And I like how you offer, you know, like on your social media, you do offer a lot of great like food for thought and just kind of like action items. And you do offer a lot of value to everyone that kind of follows you. And I hope people listening today, if you don't follow, then you need to follow (laughs) Jess because she's awesome. And she, you're very, you're just one of those people you can just tell, provide just good insight and inspiration, which all of us need.
1: Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm also really passionate about, um, I, you know, of course I have my program, I have my one-on-one work with clients, but I want to help as many people as I possibly can. And so I have as many free resources as I can with Instagram. I put out new posts like five times a week, um, to help kind of just guide your thoughts. And it's all based on either an experience that I'm going through because, I, like I said, I never pretend to be perfect. And so there are times when my confidence dips. There are times where I don't manage my stress effectively. And so I'm transparent about that. And I want to share with you how I get through it to help you when you're going through it. Um, And then I also, I have an email newsletter too, which I don't talk as much about, but um, once a month I send out an email talking about the different things that I'm going to be working on for the month and the things that I've learned to hopefully inspire the individuals on my email list to think about what they want to learn and grow from and start kind of almost manifesting over the next 30 days. I didn't know you did that too. I
0: have, I would need to sign up for that. That's good that you mentioned yeah.
1: that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I but don't ex- keep the sign up on my Instagram, uh, link if it's to my coaching page. So I, I don't focus oh, as much, but if anyone out there is interested in it, uh, just just shoot me a DM um, or let me know. And I'm, I'm happy to sign you up for it. Um, but it's all on the, like I do it according to the lunar cycle. So I do like for the new moon, I do an intention setting where I think about what do I want to um, focus on for the next 30 days or so. And it usually winds line, up being around the same time as the new month. So it's, it's a nice time to reflect and refresh and, and reset a little bit.
0: I love that. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I will, Thanks. I'll definitely link, um, your social media handles and as well as your website in the show notes. So for everyone Perfect. that's listening, you can head over there and definitely sign up and follow Jess and get the email and work with Jess, because I think you will not regret it at all.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I, I love just building a sense of community. So like say hi, introduce yourself. Like I want to get to know all the different dietitians and what you guys do, what you guys are passionate about. I, I just think that there's so many opportunities to um, foster that support for each other um, through social media. So don't be shy
0: and we need more of that cuz we're all on the same team. I love that's what I think was what drew me drew me to you too was just you're doing yeah. you're doing kind of work that I feel very passionate about it too like just yeah. making sure that we're all like positive and supporting each other and not creating yeah. this very tumultuous environment to be a dietitian in.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of um of tension in our field right now. I actually, um, so last I posted somewhat recently about like supporting each other and what to do with dietitians who have very different approaches to nutrition from you. And I received such a good response from it that I'm going to be planning a um, live, like a a series of just discussions about this and how do you navigate um, dealing with a colleague who doesn't agree with you, whether like you get that urge to kind of come at them and attack them because you're like, Oh no, this isn't how we do it. Or like another dietitian has kind of attacked you a little bit because it happens, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. so kind of, how do we navigate that? How do we support each other? How do we, um, create an environment that is less tense, less stressful and more supportive? Um, so I'm, I'm really passionate about having that conversation and, and helping create a different culture within our field, I think.
0: Hell yeah to that too. I'm so with you on that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I always will be your cheerleader on that for sure. So I will yes, definitely tune I, in. And you, do you, when do you do your lives? Are they pretty set schedule or you do them on Sundays? I know uh, you do a, a Sunday live.
1: Yeah, Sundays, I have my Beat the Sunday Scaries live. And that's where, you know, like you, I bring in a dietitian every single week to just share their top three tips about being a dietitian. So um, we can all start our weeks off feeling confident because I think that whether you've been a dietitian for a month or 10, 20 years, you have some insight to share with our colleagues that we can all learn from. So um, I really enjoy doing that. That's my only set live that I do on a regular basis. But um, when I have a post that seems to resonate with a lot of people or I do kind of a story um, on Instagram stories that I get a lot of traction from, um, if I feel like I need to dive into it deeper, sometimes I'll plan something a little bit more extensive.
0: I will stay tuned and I hope everyone else does too, because you are awesome. You really are. I just love all that you're doing, my dear. You're doing such a great job and. You always have a little girl crush that from me,
1: so <laughs> oh, it's right back at you, right back at you.
0: <laughs> so I, I, um, I think that you have. It'll be interesting to see how things change for you and evolve, and how you advance. Just everything that you're doing, and I look forward to following that part of your journey. You're, you've got a lot of great, awesome stuff ahead, I know for sure. So, and I think it's great that you said how honest you are about how you like. Things to happen faster, <laughs> yeah. But oh. you get impatient, and I think that's a great message too. Because yeah, it does. Sometimes it just you yeah, gotta just keep plugging away, and you have to just keep staying in the course. And sometimes it just it doesn't is. happen as fast.
1: No, actually, my um my intention for this like new moon cycle um is all about understanding that. Um, I think like the exact quote that I use is when I understand that when building what may take a lifetime or longer to complete, I need pick me up along the way. And so I focus on the little wins. So I repeat that little mantra to myself every morning to remind myself that like, it's okay. This is not going to happen overnight. Um, I focus on little wins every single day, reflect on my accomplishments and don't lose sight of the big picture. that is very, that's,
0: all a hundred percent something we all need to focus on every day. The little wins, the little things that maybe seem insignificant at the time, but they end up becoming big things later.
1: They add up. There's, there's nothing. So like, I think we underrate how important it is to reflect on our accomplishments. Even if like, sometimes my accomplishment is like, I made it through the end of the day without like having a stress breakdown or (laughs) I like... Like I woke up on time today and didn't feel grumpy about it. Like there are some days where your wins are so small and so like seemingly trivial, but it's still a win um, and it's still something. And then there are other days where you crush your to-do list and you do like 50,000 things and you feel like you're on top of the world. Um, mm-hmm. But maintaining that perspective and being able to find something every day that you can celebrate and like pat yourself on the back for is really important.
0: It is. It totally is. They're never insignificant. They seem goofy, but they're not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they never are. They never are.
0: True. All right. Well, I have some other questions that I like to end my podcast with. The tough questions. The tough questions. Yep. The ones that everybody says are so hard. Uh, Share with with me some of the foods that you enjoy.
1: Um, I have a big sweet tooth. So, I mean, like there are some savory foods that I love, but um, probably like brownies are one of my number one, like things, especially if there's peanut butter involved, like smear a little Ooh. bit of peanut butter over a brownie, maybe put some like berries on top. And I am like in heaven. Um, do you, do you so, like to cook? So I have a big sweet tooth. Yeah. Do you I, like to I, cook? I do. So bake? I actually, I, I am a bigger baker than I am a cook. I actually, I went to culinary school. Um, so oh. I am very passionate about like baking and being in the kitchen, but I much prefer to do it when I don't have to, like if I'm doing it for fun, not because I need to eat to survive. <laughs> it's a lot more fun that way. It's <laughs> a lot more fun. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, do yeah. you have some beverages
1: that you enjoy? Um, I'm a big, boring water girl, but I do. Um, so I, I brew kombucha. Oh, um, that's like a little yeah it's intense it's like my little pet um so I've been experimenting with flavoring that um because homebrew kombucha is very strong like very very strong so I'm learning how to like add different flavors and affect the carbonation and like it's it's a whole big pet project of mine
0: good for you uh that is some devotion right there because you're yeah. right. It's really strong. Homebrew is very, I've just tasted it. I've never done it, but I was yeah. like, if this is what kombucha is like, I don't know if I want to drink it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not like the beginner level kombucha no. at all. And I no. do, I do love like store-bought kombucha as well. Um, but just brewing it has been so fun and so interesting. And like, it's funny coming from someone who is never a science person. I'm such a science nerd now. Um, so the whole process of fermentation like fascinates me. Um, I even, I started, um, brewing beer with my boyfriend, which did not go, we did not brew a very good batch at all. (laughs) No, that was not good, but it's so fun to just experiment and learn Mm -hmm. and grow. It's like, we haven't given up. We're going to try again, but, um, my kombucha is definitely turning out a little bit better so far. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a, what about um, colors that you enjoy or that you are drawn to?
1: I was thinking about this. I feel like I went through a uh, black phase. So especially coming out of that like quarter life crisis, I like was like, I'm just going to dress all in black and it's <laughs> going to look awesome. Um, and I think I needed to go through that. I'm coming out of it now and I'm starting to get really drawn to colors. Um, I love the color yellow not to wear, but just because it just makes me happy to look at it. Um and then for some reason, I'm always drawn to purple. I don't hmm. even, I ne- if you ask me what my favorite color is, I will literally never say purple. But there's, I have a purple accent wall in my office. There are a lot of purple colors in, I don't have a ton of color in my Instagram feed, but when there is a color, there's probably purple, purple. there. The KitchenAid mix, mixer is purple. Ah. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's a lot of purple in my life. That's interesting.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at your feet and see where, because I, that's you're I'm kind of the same way as you. I don't wear purple. I would never say purple is my favorite color, but I kind of have purple sprinkled all throughout my life. So it's weird. Yeah. I, we're very similar.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I like dive into a little bit of the psychology of color and apparently I'm not an expert in this, but I heard from someone that purple represents your intuition and like being in touch with yourself. And so I feel like it's very fitting that as I've come out of my like existential crisis of being 25, um, and I'm starting to get a stronger idea of who I am, um, to be drawn to that purple color kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, that does. Yeah. That's so much food for thought. I'm like, my head's like (laughs) spinning. I'm going to have to like journal after we podcast today. Um, all right. So tell me maybe some scents or smells that you like
1: I was thinking a lot about this question. I feel like there's a lot. I mean, from kind of the hippie side of me, I like um, a lot of essential oil. So I do frankincense. I really like patchouli. But in terms of things that I'm consistently drawn to, I feel like I really like the smell of nature like and weather. So whether it's like mm. a summer rainstorm or like, you know, when you walk outside in the fall and it just smells like fall and kind of like crisp and clean. Mm -hmm. like I feel like each season has a smell and it when I walk outside and like get that first smell of that in the season I just like feel so happy Um, so I I love that if that makes sense
0: I like that the smell of weather the smell of (laughs) yeah that's because there is there is there definitely is that scent
1: and it's so hard to describe but when you smell it you're like yes like this that's that's just like
0: feels (laughs) right I got
1: it that's cool I like that
0: too yeah and then share with me what brings you joy.
1: Awesome. Thanks. things. Um, so, of course, like working, whether it's with my nutrition counseling clients or my dietitian clients, just seeing them hit that aha moment and break through a barrier is one of the most uplifting things for me. Um, and it was, it's absolutely what keeps me going. Like I could be having a horrible day and I have an amazing session with a client and just all of a sudden feel completely rejuvenated. Um, and Then I would also say, I mean, like, I have two nieces, one's four, one's three months old, Um, so they bring me, yeah, they bring me a lot of joy um, when I get to see them, and again, like, the nature thing, like, being out in nature, I I was just on a road trip to Vermont, and we did this hike that was really crazy intense, and we probably started it way too late in the afternoon, Um, but we're climbing and climbing for, like, an hour, and we finally get through the like clearing of the trees and it opens up to the top of the mountain and you can just see for, I mean, when I say miles, I mean like you can see forever. And just like that feeling of being on top of a mountain is unlike anything I've ever experienced before.
0: That's like the embodiment of what joy feels like.
1: Right. It's just like everything's quiet and you just feel so small amidst like everything out there and you've just like you're sore and you're tired and you've pushed yourself and you can like sit down and just absorb everything in that moment like I feel like I'm never more present and I'm never more like connected than when I've just done a hike like that
0: that's awesome that was for your birthday right
1: yeah yeah I did the road trip for my my big 30th birthday that's awesome and that's good it's such (laughs) a
0: important thing to celebrate too
1: yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I feel like everyone around me is not a fan of like celebrating birthdays. And I'm like, life is so short. I want every excuse to celebrate that I can possibly get. Um, like, I just want to like celebrate everything all the time.
0: <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Right?
1: I feel like we need a little bit more joy in our lives. For sure. For
0: sure. And we need to talk about, it. and we need to talk about that. We need to talk about joy. It's way more than we talk about the things that irritate us and upset us.
1: And Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so much. That's, that's also a big part of the work that I do. It's like, what brings you joy? How often are you doing it? Because it's so easy to get into that like, nine to five grind of like, go to work, come home, like feel so stressed out that all you have the energy to do is like, binge Netflix and then fall asleep <laughs> and then repeat. So like, how do we cultivate time and energy to do the things that we love? I think it's so important.
0: Well, I love everything that you're doing. You're doing such a great job for our profession. So thank you you. for all the things that you're doing.
1: Thank you. No, I, I, it brings me so much joy to be able to like help out. And again, like just connect to other dietitians and, and hear their experiences is fantastic. Well, I make sure
0: again, everyone, please go follow Jess. I will include all of her, her, her Instagram handle and her social media as well as her website. And thank you for spending time with me today.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. It was so awesome to be on this end of the podcast.
0: Jess is very inspiring. She has such a great social media presence and she is just doing fantastic things, not only for herself, but also for just other dietitians who find those daily struggles and those things that are just hard to get over sometimes while we're working and trying to be the best version of ourselves so if you have not connected with her on Instagram or Facebook I highly recommend that you do uh, subscribe to her email newsletter which I just did about two seconds ago and all of those are in my show notes and that you connect with her and do some great things to help yourself be the best version of yourself as a registered dietitian my website, annelizabethardy.com is where you can read my latest Embrace the Hell Yeah blog post, as well as all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these great nutrition experts. My book is available to purchase on my website, and I hope we can connect more on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at RD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.